0: Amen. Well, praise the Lord everybody. How's everybody doing? I just want you to know it's a privilege of mine to be able to serve you the word of the Lord. And what I'm going to speak on this morning, I probably have only spoke on one time here in the last 12 years. But this is what I feel in my spirit. And so, I'm not here today to tell you what to think. I'm here today to give you something to think about. Okay? So, if you'll receive it in that spirit, then that is all that I can ask of you. I'm here to present to you what I see in the scripture as a precedent of first things first. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Would you just pray with me and ask the Lord to help us to receive his word? Father, I'm just so thankful, truly privileged to bring this incredible body of Christ, the word of the Lord. Today, God, I just my prayer is, is that you would speak to us, talk to us. Illuminate our mind and give us revelation in our understanding and we give your name all the praise honor and glory and everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Did you know that there are more than 500 verses in the scripture that deal with prayer? There's also more than 500 verses in the scripture that deal with faith. But there are more than 2,000 verses in the scriptures that deal with money and possessions. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus spoke, 16 of the 38, he spoke on money and possessions. So clearly it is important the way you and I think about money. I want to show you this morning the precedent of money before the law was ever given. And then I want to show you the precedent about finances under the law. And then I want to show you the precedent and the principle Of money under grace. Now, if you've ever watched any uh, shows as Law and Order, if you've ever watched a show called Law and Order, can I see your hand? Okay. So you will know that word precedent means what it means is it means a judgment that has already been rendered. And what they do, many times your judges will ask, what is the precedent for this particular case? Because a lot of weight goes into their ruling based off of the precedent of previous cases. So this morning, what I want to share with you is the precedent and the principles of giving. So as you open the first chapters of the book of Genesis, what you see is is God starts immediately in the very first pages of Genesis to establish a principle and a pre- precedent on giving. Here's how it starts. God puts one tree in the midst of the garden, and there are many trees that are in the garden. But God says, Adam and Eve of this tree you shall not eat, you shall not partake. Why? Because God is already establishing a precedent. There are certain things that I reserve for myself and myself alone. Then as you continue to read, you find out that Adam and Eve did partake of that fruit, which God said do not partake of. And when they partook of that fruit, then we read where they curse, a curse came up on them, and a curse came up on the whole world, and they had to leave the blessings of Eden because they partook of what God says, I reserve the right for myself. Do you agree with that? Then as we keep turning the pages of Genesis, then we see now an offering that is given to God, and we see the offering that Abel offers up is the first fruits of his flocks and then we see the offering that Cain offers up which is his first fruits or the fruit of the ground and then we read in the in Genesis where the Lord says I have re, I have rejected Cain's offering but I have accepted Abel's and for you newer ones I want to just share with you what my study has Uh, presented to me and you're welcome to come at a different conclusion. But what I see is it's not that God rejected Cain's offering because it was from the fruit of the ground and that he accepted Abel's offering because it was a lamb. That's not what I see in study. What I see in study is, is that God was already setting a precedent for attitude, and heart in giving. Because when you look at the Levitical law, God required both the firstborn of the flocks and he required the first fruits of the harvest. So both of those offerings were required under the law. So it's not as though Abel gave a better offering than Cain's. As I have studied this out, what I come across is God was already looking at the heart because what he wanted us to understand, it's not just, here's my offering. God says, I want you to understand that I already saw Cain had an evil heart. His heart was not right even giving his offering. Because if you keep reading the scripture, it says that he resented his brother, For God blessing his offering and eventually Cain even took his brother's life for the blessing of God upon Abel. Now I'm going to just talk out of my spirit this morning. If you go to the New Testament now, the scripture says the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. What shall we receive? And Jesus responded, if any man gives up father, mother, sister, brother, house or land for my namesake and the gospel, notice the language, he said, I'll give them houses, lands, and I will bless them a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come, but I'm going to do it with persecution. I studied that out. I got to, what does he mean with persecution? Persecution. Here's what my study bears out is this, is when God blesses you, your brothers and sisters will persecute you. T.D. Jakes wrote a very informative book, and I read it many years ago. It says, can you stand to be blessed? Because when God blesses you, it's going to come with persecution, We already see that precedent happening when God blessed Abel, his brother was already persecuting him. So you think you want to be blessed, but let me tell you something. My daddy taught me if you have too much, know too much and do too much, people won't like you. So the question is, can you stand to be blessed? Because God is setting a precedent. God wants to bless his people. So we start seeing that God said, I reserved this tree in the garden for me and me alone. When you partake of it, you bring a curse upon yourself. And it happened to bring a curse upon the nation, uh, the whole world. Then we see where Adam, pardon me, where Abel and Cain brought offerings. God accepted one. He didn't accept the other. Why? Because it was the attitude of the worshiper. God's already setting a precedent. Go back to the New Testament. You're going to have to stay with me. What kind of giver does God like? Whether you give a buck, ten bucks, a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand. He doesn't want you to come to him saying I got to do this. He wants you coming to him saying Lord I thank you that you are the blesser. And I'm privileged to be able to invest in the kingdom. Can I keep talking to you? Okay, now, what we also see, we see now the principle of tithe was in operation when God, this is in Genesis, now he asked, this is Genesis 14, he asked Abram to bring a tenth and to give it to a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you study Melchizedek, it's a very... Uh, it's, it's a very deep study, but Melchizedek is actually a representation of Jesus Christ. So you can study it for yourself, but that's what it is. Melchizedek is a representative of Jesus Christ himself. And he asked Abraham to bring and give a tenth or a tithe to Melchizedek. This was before the law had ever been written. So really, you could really say that Abraham was presenting his tithe to Jesus Christ himself. And then we see this precedent again when God asked Abraham, he said, Abraham, I want you to give your only son, Isaac. Notice now what is not said, but is implied. Abraham, I'm not waiting on you to have four or five sons and then I want one. It's not it. That's not what that's 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 not how God thinks. God says, I want your first and then I'll bless everything thereafter. But if you give me the first of it, I'll bless the rest. But if you don't give me the first, then I can't bless the rest. Are you still with me? Okay. now notice God didn't ask for Isaac. Because Abraham had more. He asked for Isaac because he was the first one. Okay? So I want you to get this. Actually, tithing predates the law of Moses by literally thousands of years. Okay? Now I'm going to show you what the precedent of tithing is under the Old Testament law. Here is Exodus 13 and 2. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens a womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. God is plainly establishing the law and principle of precedent, and He declares the firstborn is mine. In fact, 16 times in Scripture, God declares the firstborn is His. Look at Exodus 13 and 2. It says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from the animal which you have, the males and all- shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. Here is the principle. According to the Old Testament, the firstborn was to either be sacrificed or redeemed, but there was no third option. Okay, so what does that mean? I'm going to explain it. If a, if a, if a couple had, uh, lambs and the first lamb they had, that was to be sacrificed for all the other lambs that were to come after. If a couple had a donkey, the firstborn donkey, it was either going to be redeemed by a blood sacrifice or a, of a lamb or you had to break the neck of a donkey. Why? Because it was unclean. In other words, it wasn't under the Jewish law. You could not eat a donkey. So I'm going to restate that. The firstborn lamb had to be sacrificed so that everything else that came after was redeemed. But the unclean animal, like a donkey, if you did not take a lamb to redeem the donkey, then you broke its neck. Are you still with me? Okay, so here's something else to think about. Have you ever wondered how God could justify taking the firstborn of Egypt in the last plague? Here's something very interesting to note. The very first thing that Moses told when he went to Pharaoh was the last plague. He said, Pharaoh, I'm telling you, listen to me. If you do not hearken to God's word, God's going to take your firstborn. That was the first warning that he gave. Before any of the other plagues, that was the first warning. And you say, how can God justify taking the firstborn? I can tell you how, because he's already set the precedent. The firstborn is mine. It's mine. It belongs to me. So God is not unjust in following through with his word. Now, Pharaoh was warned. He had been warned. He had been told what to do. So now why was Israel's firstborn not taken? Because God told them through Moses, you take a spotless lamb and you sacrifice it. You apply the blood to the doorpost, which is a sign, a typology of the cross. And it will redeem all of your firstborn sons and daughters. And it will redeem all of your animals. Now, Pharaoh could have done that, but he didn't believe the word of the Lord. Now, here's what I want to just tell you on this. Just because people don't believe the word of the Lord doesn't mean God's still not in control. I'm going to just tell you again with all the kindness in my heart, whether you choose to believe me or not, it's not going to change my attitude towards you. I'm not here to try to get something from you. We had the best year of giving this church has ever had this past year. I'm not here this morning to try to get something from you. But what I want is for everyone in this building, here is my dream for this house, is that they're, according to Psalm 105... That there not be one feeble one among us. In other words, my dream for this church is literally there not be one feeble person among us. And my dream for this church is that all of you will prosper and be in health even as your mind prospers to receive the word of the Lord. I don't want you to struggle. In fact, I hate struggle. I hate it, and I don't want it for you, and I don't want it for myself. Here's what I do know. When I am in God's house, and I am God's son, I must do it God's way to get God's results. If I don't do it God's way, I don't get God's results. Can I get a witness? So, literally, ladies and gentlemen, it was the blood of the Lamb that saved the firstborn. Here's a very important lesson in this. When we, ladies and gentlemen, give to God, we don't lose because God redeems it for us. But when we withhold from God, we can lose. Much like the Egyptians lost, even though they were warned and they were aware, they did not redeem their firstborn because they did not believe the word of Moses. Are you still with me? Okay, now you got to stay with me. I now want you to go in your minds to the New Testament again. Okay, go in your minds to the New Testament. John the Baptist is baptizing people. He looks up. He sees Jesus. This is what he says. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What was he doing? He was identifying who Jesus was. Who was Jesus? He was the Lamb of God who was going to do what? Take away the sins of the world. Now go back in your mind to the principle of the firstborn in Exodus. The law states again, I'm just reminding you, that if the firstborn animal was cleaned, it was to be sacrificed. But if the firstborn animal was unclean, it was to be redeemed with a clean animal. Do you have that? Now, here's the symbolic parallel. Jesus Christ was God's only begotten son. Jesus Christ was God's firstborn. He was born clean, but every one of us were born unclean. Therefore, Jesus had to be sacrificed to redeem everything else. So in a very real sense, I want you to get this, in a very real sense, Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was God's tie. Why was Jesus sacrificed? So that everyone that came after him could be redeemed. Because this is how God thinks. Is that all right? Okay. So, the principle is ladies and gentlemen, here's the principle. You're going to see it through Genesis to Revelation. Here it is. God always wants to be first. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Okay, can I keep preaching? Okay, let's look at Exodus 23 and 19. Here we go. For the first of the first fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now notice what the scripture says. The house of the Lord as the proper place to do what? Give your first fruits. Where did they come and sacrifice the first of their flocks? The house of the Lord. Where did they come and give the first of their first fruits? The house of the Lord. So it doesn't say, now this is Old Testament, it doesn't say give the first of your first fruits to a television ministry. And I'm not against different ministries. Janet and I do way more than just support this local church. We support various ministries around the world. Okay? And happy to do it. We want to do it. But that's not scripture. I don't give my tithe but unto the storehouse. Because I'm trying to follow the precedent that God set. Are you with me? okay it doesn't even say listen now to give the first of your first fruits to a missionary though janet and i gave personally to a missionary wednesday night and many of you did and he texted me and said i'm overwhelmed at the giving of this church and we give god praise for that amen so giving to missions and missionaries is near and dear to my heart and i believe it is to yours but that's not what he says He also does not say, give the first of your first fruits wherever you want. He says, bring it into the storehouse of the Lord that there may be meat in my house. Now, again, you may not do that. You may not like that. I'm just showing you what the word of God says. Okay? Now, look at Proverbs 3 and 9. Here's what it says. Honor the Lord with your possessions and what? With the first fruits of all your increase. Now, here's what he says. So that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with wine. Brothers and sisters, here's something you got to understand about God. God never gets involved with you to decrease you. God always gets involved with you to increase you. Do you know why God wants you to serve him and him alone? It's not because he doesn't know there's other gods out there. There are other gods out there, little G's. But all the other gods, little G's, take you down. And they destroy you and they take from you. God is the only God, big G, that lifts you up, that increases you, that takes you from the dunghill and puts you in palaces. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. So it's not that the God that you serve wants to take from you. Can I keep preaching? Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand something about God. If you don't give a dollar to this church, God's not going to have a problem paying his light bill. Listen, he never is suffering. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God's not dependent on you and me to support him. The the precedent of tithe and offerings is so that you can be blessed, so that you can have a continual harvest. It's not that you're financing God per se and paying his light bill. So you got to understand something. God was God before you and I ever was a gleam in my mama's eye and your mama's eye, right? And he's still going to be God long after we're gone. So God is God. He doesn't need us. He has chosen to partner with us. Without God, we can't. And without him, without God, he, pardon me, without God, we can't. And without us, he won't. So have I ever had Jesus come up and give me a $100 bill? No. But I've had his people do that. So God uses people. Have I lost you? Okay. So, I want you now to go back to the Old Testament. Go back to Jericho. God delivered them, right, out of Egypt. And do you know what Jericho was? Jericho was the first city that they were going to conquer, going on to the promised land. God looked at them and said, listen, all the silver and gold in Jericho belong to me. Don't you take it. It's the first city. It's mine. Why is that important? Because it was the very first city on their conquest to conquering um, the promised land. There were over 32 kings that they were supposed to conquer, to conquer all the promised land. They didn't do it. But this was the first city. So now, keep reading this story, and you'll find out that Achan said, well, I'm going to take some silver and gold for myself. Guess what happened to him? He was cursed. Not only was he cursed, but all of Israel was cursed goes back to the precedent all the way back into the garden. Took what didn't belong to him. Not only brought a curse on himself, it brought a curse on the whole nation. Then they went up, read in your Bible, they went up to Ai, a little old bitty nation that they could have just easily defeated. Didn't defeat him. Why? Because there was a curse on him. Because Achan had taken something that didn't belong to him. Guess what happened? He took what didn't belong to him. Keep reading your story. He lost it anyway. Because the gold, the silver, the garments, all of it was burned with fire and his whole family was destroyed. You say, I don't like the way God operates. He didn't leave it up to me and you. It goes back. You can be a Pharaoh and not believe because you want to be bullheaded. That's fine. God's still going to be God and God's still going to have his way and every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. I'm just showing you how God thinks. Is that all right? Okay, can I keep going? Okay. So now, let me keep going. In Malachi chapter 3, God makes it very plain that if we keep the tithe to ourselves, we're robbing God. Here's Malachi 3. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Then he goes on to tell you, in tithes and offerings. What is it? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Why? Because you took what was mine, and you robbed me. You can't rob somebody if it's already yours. you got to rob somebody if you took something that wasn't yours. God sees the tithe is already his. Does that make sense? Some say, okay, well, pastor, that's fine. Uh, that's in the Old Testament. Okay, now we're going to talk about this. But in that same chapter, chapter 3, God says, for I am the Lord and I change not. See, brothers and sisters, it's not that God doesn't change or change his mind. Here's the thought. you got to understand, God's nature doesn't change. When you read in Scripture, God changed his mind. In other words, he repented. It doesn't mean that God changed. It means that he goes back to his nature. His nature is to do good. So God doesn't change. So it goes back to the precedent that he set in the garden. You say, okay. But then in Galatians, pastor, it tells me in Galatians that he became a curse for us. And he was hung up on a tree. That we would not have to be under any curses. Okay, you're right. Hold that thought. Now, under the Old Testament, under the Old Testament in the law, adultery was a sin. But would anybody say now because they're under grace, adultery still not a sin? We we know under the law it says. That you shall not steal. Now that we're under grace, would you say it's okay for us to steal? The law tells you plainly, thou shalt not lie, bear false witness. Now, do y'all think because we're under grace, it's okay to lie? I don't think anybody agrees with that. And in fact, if you read in scripture, here, here's what Matthew says. Matthew says, Jesus speaking, he says, you have heard it said, thou shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if you look with lustful intent upon a woman, you have already committed adultery. So I can keep on giving you examples, but I'm trying to shorten this. So what this really means is grace is even above law. I know this is a lot to think about, so I'm just letting you ponder on it. God keeps on talking about, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. In other words, grace is really more difficult than what even the law is. So if you're saying under the law, God only wants us to give 10%, then in the spirit of that, God may even want more. You say, well, pastor, I don't see in the New Testament where he talks about tithe. Okay, then let's, let's go to Luke 18 in your mind. The Pharisee is up there and here's what he says. He says, Lord, I thank thee that I have fasted twice in a week. And Lord, I thank you that I give a tithe or a tenth of everything I own. Okay, And the Lord was cool with that. But the bad thing about that is, is many folks get religious and they start putting their righteousness in their giving. And what the verse starts off with, this is in Luke, the verse starts off with, and some trusted in themselves. So now giving, tithing is this. Okay, God, I, I gave it, now you owe me. And I'm righteous because I gave my tithe and I gave an offering. Notice here now in the scripture again, because people don't believe tithing is in the New Testament. Notice again now what Jesus says. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and here's what he says. You give tithe of deal and cumin and you you give a tithe of this. He says, but what you forget are the weightier matters of the law, justice, love, mercy, and faithfulness. Then listen to what he says. You should not leave the first undone, but don't forget the weightier matters of the law. Why was he saying that he was saying that because the Pharisees were going back and they were saying, but God, I give a tithe like you said under the law. I'm giving it. I check that box. You ought to automatically respond to me and, 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 and do good to me. And God was saying, you should do that. But what I don't want you to forget is I don't automatically bless you because you checked the box. I don't want you to also forget justice to people, faithfulness and love and mercy to people because tithe matters but you're just saying all I got to do is tithe and I got God's grace and God is saying no. Under grace it goes beyond just tithing and offerings. It goes to loving God and loving people and showing faithfulness and showing justice and showing mercy. So he says, I don't want you not to do that, but I don't want you to forget the other. Does that make sense? Okay. So tithing belongs to God. The first fruits, the firstborn belongs to God and the first fruits belong to God. This is a precedent and a principle. Here's what, here's what Matthew 6 and 21 says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I, I think Forrest Gump could discern a pattern on this. He'd probably say, I'm not a smart man, but I'm going to tithe, and that's all I have to say about that. All right. Again, I'm not, listen, if you don't tithe here, if you don't give offerings, I'm, I am i don't even look at, for the most part, the records. God is my witness. If somebody put a gun in my head and asked me what Carlton paid, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I don't look, for the most part. Why? Because I just want to treat everybody the same, not based off of their giving. So I, 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 don't, I don't know. You say, oh, my God, Brother Neon's looking right at me. If I look right at you, it's not because I'm preaching to you. I don't even know what you give. I don't know. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, okay? But I just don't because I want to treat everybody the same and love everybody because whether you do or not, that doesn't save me. I'm going I'm to do it because he loves a cheerful giver and I, I love to give because it's my attitude in giving, not because I have to, right? Here's, here's what the scripture says, and I'm going to try to wrap this up. He says, for wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What, what does that mean? It basically means that your heart follows your treasure. That's why tithing is a test for every Christian. Do y'all know what number 10 means? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means testing. Did y'all know that? Well, that's why I'm here for to help you. 10 means testing. 10 commandments. Testing the people. A tithe, a tenth, it's a test. What is it a test of? Your heart. Because every time you give, you battle greed. Greed will not control me. Why? Because here it is. Three natures. The nature of Satan is to steal from you. Man's nature is to hoard. More, more, more. God's nature is to give. For God so loved the world that he gave. Where your your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You say, I don't really know what I love. Look at your checkbook it'll tell you. That's simple. If all of your checkbook goes to Mimosa, that's a ladies' dress shop, then you just love looking nice. Right? Nothing wrong with that, right? If all of your money goes to Walmart, then you're just really caught up in meeting all your needs. Nothing wrong with that, right? But if a lot of your money you get your end of the year statement and you see I gave ten dollars to the church in tithe, but boy, I really love God. But you made a hundred grand, you might want to check your heart. Again, it's not gonna make a difference to me, but you want to say, I don't know where my heart is. One good, one good dashboard is to look how you give. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When when I say I love God, guess what? My treasure is gonna follow. I love God. That makes sense. Huh? So how does God want you to give? Well, I gotta do this because Pastor preached on it on Sunday. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what most people don't tell you, okay? I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I believe. I don't know if I'm right. I believe it. I believe as New Testament Christians, if you don't give a tithe, are you cursed? No, I don't. I don't believe that. I don't. You can believe different than me, and that's fine. We'll agree to disagree. I do not believe if you, as a New Testament Christian, do not tithe, you are cursed. I don't believe that. I believe that God loves you. And wants to see you saved, regardless of you giving a tithe or an offering. Because tithing is not what saves you. If it is, then that's based off a performance and he didn't need to come. All you needed to do was give a tithe and you could be saved. I know there's some preachers that preach, well, you're accursed if you don't give. I don't believe that. That's Old Testament. It's not New Testament. Okay. Now, here is what I do believe. I do believe that we all should give. And God doesn't need your money, but you need to be blessed. And it's kind of like, just just thinking the natural. If if a farmer is sitting on the front porch and he's saying, man, I can't wait till this harvest comes in. And you say, hey man, Farmer Brown, what did you plant? And he said, well, I didn't plant any seed, but boy, I'm sure excited about the harvest. (laughs) Woo-hoo-hoo! It's going to be a bumper crop. Man, did you spend hours out there sowing? No, man, I didn't sow. Did you, did you till up that ground? Oh, oh, who wants to get sweaty, man? You would just look at him and say, like, like, You wouldn't say it, but you're just like, You're a moron. You wouldn't say it, but that's what you would think, right? Because right? guess what? You can't fake a harvest. So he's going to keep rocking. He's going to keep sitting there, and summer's going to come, and you're going to say, Where's your harvest? Well, I didn't plant any seed, but woo hoo hoo, it's going to show up. You can't fake a harvest. Can't fake a harvest. So it's not that God is going to curse you. It goes back again, ladies and gentlemen. Can I keep preaching? It goes back again. Listen, people say, do I have to speak in tongues? That's the wrong question. That's not the right question. The question is, it's a gift that God wants to give you to empower you over sin, sickness, self, and Satan. So the wrong question is, is do I have to? The right question is, why wouldn't I want to? The wrong question is, do I got to give 10%? The answer is, no, you don't. But the right question is, why wouldn't you want to? Because God takes the 10 and he blesses the 90. Okay? I'm going to show you the precedent and the principle. Here again is the precedent and the principle. God God said, Israel, I want you to rest one day. One day out of seven, I want you to rest. Why? One, because I want you to physically rest. And then two, I want to show the world that I can bless you in such a way that you can accomplish in six days what the world can't accomplish in seven. Same precedent with tithing. Why should I give 10%? Because God wants to show the world I can take the 90 and bless the 90 what the world can't receive with 100% of their increase. That's how God thinks and so the tithe is a test 10 the number 10 is a test do you know how many tests God gave to Jacob with with, when Laban changed his wages numbers 10 do you know how many tests that God sent to Daniel in the first chapter of the book of Daniel the numbers 10 you know how many disciples there were there were 10 just joking there were 12 (laughs) just wanted to see if you were awake it's testing you So no, ladies and gentlemen, you're not under a curse if you don't give, but I'm going to tell you this in the area of your finances, if you consider yourself a son or a daughter of God, then God can't bless you in that area. And what I want for all of you is I want you to be blessed in your spirit with no sickness. I want you to be blessed in your mind with peace. And I want you to be blessed in your finances. Why? Because here's what the scripture says. He said, listen, if you do these things, I will bless you when you come in and I'll bless you when you go out. Man, I got to keep preaching here just a minute. So in other words, when, here's, what the, here's what the scripture says. The only place that God says, test me is in Malachi. He said, if you will give your tithe and your offerings, then you test me, says the Lord. And see if I will not open for you a window of heaven. The only place that God asks you to test him is in your tithe and offerings. It's the only place. Why? Because he's gonna say, I'm gonna prove to you that I can bless you with 90, what the world can't even get done with a hundred. Right? Now for me personally, for me not to give a tithe, for me it's sin. For me not to give an offering, for me personally, it is sin. Okay? But I'm not saying it's sin for you and I'm not saying you're going to be cursed. I'm just saying in that area of finances, if you claim to be a believer and a son and a daughter of God and you're not tithing and you're not giving offerings, you're not going to be as blessed as you could be because you're not honoring God's principle and his precedent. Because he said, if you'll give here's you know what you don't just sow, ladies and gentlemen, one kernel of corn and reap just one ear. Almost on every stalk is three to four ears. So, this is how God said, I'll bless you. I'll bless you with it. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. When you honor my word. Has that made sense? Okay. Here's what the Lord says that when you give, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Have I made sense today? Have I helped anybody? Okay, this is. I'll end with this. I'll end with this. Look at Luke 16 and 9. I've studied this numerous times and, and over three different ministries that I have a lot of respect for say the same thing. So I think I'm comfortable in presenting this to you as really what this scripture means. Here it is. And I say unto you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Here we go again. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. It's talking about money. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting habitation. For he who is faithful in his what is least is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in, in what is much. Okay. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I got a couple of, of of applications to tell you. First of all, what does this mean? I've looked at it, looked at it, studied and studied it. Here's what I really and and I've got other people agreeing with me. They're saying Jesus is actually saying make friends with money, unrighteous mammon, because when you give it to the work of the Lord, when you die, that word fail means die. When you die, they are going to welcome you into everlasting habitation. That means heaven. Here is what I truly believe and other ministries believe this verse means. When you give to the work of God, God knows those dollars that literally go to reach people. And those people that you have never met or ever will meet. Hey, you know what to make this? I need all this front row to come up here. Hurry, all the front row. I need you to hurry. Come on. I need you to hurry. I need the front row to hurry. Come on, all the front row. Hurry. I want you to line up. Come on. Up here. Come on. Front row. Front row. Front row. And I want I want you. I want some of you. Here's how I want you to do it. I want some of you to look this way. And then I want those over here to look this way. Come here, Carlton. All right. I'm going to show you what I want. Stand right there. And I just want to be able to walk between you. Okay? Just leave me enough room where you, I can walk between you. Larry, over here. Please. Okay? Lauren, right here. Please. Right here. Okay. Y'all, according to this verse, if I got it right, every dollar that I give toward the kingdom of God and that particular dollar goes to save a soul. When I die... And I go into heaven, y'all start clapping. That's cheesy. Come on, clap. This is my welcome party, but it's gonna be better than this. And they're gonna say, you know what they're gonna say? Thank you, your dollars helped get me to heaven. Thank you, I'm saved because you invested in what is eternal. Thank you. Because you helped bring me to a heavenly place. You say, Pastor, how is that possible? Okay, I thought about that. How is that even possible? How does God know the $10 that I give goes to Africa and saves somebody? Well, here's the deal. If God knows that this hair that just came out was hair number 978. All right. This hair, this hair over here was number 978. And God said, well, that was number 978. That's what came out. Then don't you think God keeps perfect records and he knows your $10 and your 20 and your 50 and your 70 that go to reach souls so that when you get to heaven, people you've never met before are going to be high-fiving you and applauding you and saying, thank you so much. I can never thank you enough for what you gave because of your giving i'm up in heaven thank all of you for helping me i appreciate it that makes sense now check this out y'all here's the next application of that verse this is scary he said if i can't trust you with money i can't trust you with true riches okay so you got to dissect that then if money is not true riches then what is true riches true riches is things money can't buy okay here here's the bible i got bible for this y'all i'm not just throwing this out i didn't start studying six o'clock last night (laughs) okay here's what he says if i can't trust you in the much the little i can't trust you in the much what this is referring to when he says true riches when he says true riches Actually, I can show you, and I don't have time, but I can actually show you, you are setting a precedent right now with your giving of how you're going to rule and reign with him in the new Jerusalem. I can prove that because God is saying, if I can't trust you with $5, I can't trust you with five people. If I can't trust you with a hundred dollars, I can't trust you with a hundred people because if I can't trust you in the little, just money which is nothing. He sees money, God sees money as the least. We see money as the greatest. That's why God's thoughts about money and our thoughts about money are so different because money is what brings us our identity. And God says, when money brings you your identity, it becomes an idol and I hate it. And see, we think that God preached a poverty message. No, he did not. What he preached was is I don't want you to love money because the love of money is the root of all evil. Why? Because then you start seeing money. Well, I'm valuable because I'm a millionaire. No, you're not. You're not any more valuable than a person who's broke in this house. Money don't make you valuable. Money helps you solve problems. Money helps make, gives you choices. Money is a tool. It doesn't make you valuable. Don't equate your value. Don't equate your self-worth with your net worth. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding. Y'all with me? Okay, because if God can't trust you with a hundred bucks, I I have people, it's so funny. People tell me, whoa, brother Nina, if I ever win the lottery, ooh, I'm going to pay my tithes and I'll pay that church off. Okay. Thank you. I hope you do. But again, I don't ever check their record, but if I check their record, it'd be, it'd be probably funny. They struggle to pay $10 off of 100 but now they think they're going to pay millions off of a lottery. Yeah, you're, they're kidding themselves. They're lying to themselves. If God can't trust you with 10 bucks, he can't trust you with 100 If he can't trust you with 100 he can't trust you with 1000 And if he can't trust you with money, he can't trust you with true riches. What's true riches? It's called people. It's called things money can't buy. He can't trust you with his anointing because you can't buy that, so he can't trust you with it. He can't trust you. He can't trust you with that. Oh, I really want the anointing. He can't trust you with that because that's way more valuable than money. I don't know why I, I don't know why I don't have more. Look at what you're giving. If you're not giving much, you're not getting much. I don't know why they're blessed. Well, if you probably look behind the scenes... They're probably not shouting it from the mountaintop. They're just probably sowing seed. Sowing. Ladies and gentlemen, me and Janet have been sowing seed for the last 35 years. I'm going to tell you a quick story and then I'll let you go. I remember the first time I paid tithes. I paid tithes two bucks. paid tithes on a Sunday of $2. That Sunday night, back then we still had Sunday night church. That Sunday night I had an elderly lady in our church named Sister Steeds. She came and she gave me 20 bucks that night. Just out of the clear blue. Man, I ran around there saying, it works. Oh, my God. I was eight, like eight or nine years old. I was saying, my God, it works. I was screaming it, literally. I'm not exaggerating. I run up to my daddy and I say, it works, daddy. It works, it works, it works. He said, calm down, son. What works? I said, daddy, I paid $2 tithes this morning and God gave me 20 He said, that's great, son. He said, now, just understand, God did that to show you but don't think it's going to work that way every time because God's not a vending machine. You cast your bread up on the waters and in many days it'll come back to you. I feel, I feel heaven in this house right now. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you right now whether you give or don't give I'm not going to love you any less. But I'm going to tell you this. You can't expect God to bless you If you don't obey the principles of his word, can't, does it mean you won't be saved? Do you know this? I looked at, I looked at David Ramsey, David Ramsey. How many know who I'm talking about? When I say David Ramsey, do you know what David Ramsey says? I didn't say this. David Ramsey says that right now in the modern day church, 75 to 95%, you can go look on it today to make sure I'm not lying. 75 to 95% of Christians in the modern day church do not tithe. Do not tithe. Do not tithe. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand there's a lot of distrust because a lot of junk is going on. But I'm going to tell you something. It goes back to when Abram gave tithe. It was the representation as he was giving as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. When you give your tithe, it's as though you are giving it directly to God. Because He is your source. And you know what he told Israel? He said, when you obey my word, I'll bless you when you come into the city and I'll bless you when you walk out of the city. He said, when you go into the field, I bless you. And when you come out of the field, I bless you. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know what? I got up this morning. I got up and I said this morning in my prayer time, Father, I thank you that sickness is under my feet. Oppression is under my feet. Depression is under my feet. I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out. Why? Because I know I'm obeying the principles of God's word. It's under my feet. Thank you. You've been a great audience. You've listened to me for 50 minutes and I can't tell you what a privilege it is to bring you the word of the Lord. I love you. I love you. And I have preached to you the truth in love. Now, whether you heed it, that's up to you. I don't know who's doing what in this house for the most part. But I'll tell you this. Here, I, I do have something else to say. It's very important. Do you know why God got so angry at Adam and Eve? Is because they thought they were owners instead of stewards. You remember that. See, you remember that. The reason why you're holding that, I know what you're thinking. I work hard for my money. I get up every day at five o'clock and bless God. If the preacher thinks I'm going to give him 10%, he's got another thought coming. Okay, that's fine. No worries. But here's the thought process behind that. I'm the one who's working and I'm the one who gets this money and I'm the one who has control over it. And God says, you know what? You see yourself as an owner. When I done told you in my word that earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, I gave you the breath to wake up. I gave you hands to use and I gave you the mind to think. And now what you're seeing yourself as, Adam and Eve, you see yourself as the owner of this garden and you don't see yourself as the steward. I remember I got so angry at God when my mama died at 57 years of age with bone cancer. I got angry. I had some deep conversations with God. I vented my anger. And God spoke to me one day, and this is plain as what He says Wayne, you see yourself as the owner, and you're a steward. I gave her life, and I can take life. Basically, it's son, you need to pipe down, and you need to know I am God. And everything, every good gift that comes into your life, you have to get the revelation is I'm a steward of it. Every dollar that comes into this house, we're doing our best to be good stewards of it because we don't own it. Because the fact of the matter is my name ain't on anything. If I died today, God forbid, this is your church. These are your buildings. This is the house of God. This is the people of God's. Father, I just thank you. How'd you know my heart. I, Lord, I haven't come here to be rude. I haven't come here to be in anybody's face. Come here, Lord, to tell your people they're under a curse if they don't give. I've just come here to present, Lord, what I see in the word of God is how you think, the principles, the precedent of your word. Now, Lord, it's up to you to give revelation and illuminate our hearts and illuminate our minds so that we can receive the blessing as we obey your word. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Would you stand together? I've only preached about giving once in 12 years. It may be another 12 before I preach it again. But here's what my dad told me a long time ago. Okay, because I, I really wondered, God, why do you want me to speak on this? As far as I know, this is, this is a really good giving church. Why, why do you want me to speak on this? And I remember the words of what my dad said. He said, Wayne, son, listen to me. He said, I can't give you Bible and verse for this, but I'm going to tell you what I've seen in 50 years of ministry is that when people get a revelation of giving right behind it comes a manifestation of the miraculous of the power of God, of prodigal sons and prodigal daughters coming back. He said, I've seen it, son. He said, I can't give you Bible and verse for it. He said, but I can tell you what I've seen and witnessed. So then I heard that voice in my mind and I got to thinking, God, you did tell me you're going to restore this region. You're going to restore finances. You're going to restore health. You're going to restore our prodigal sons and daughters. And guess what? Restoration starts with repentance. And then after we repent and we get back in alignment to God's word and do it God's way, then guess what next happens? We start opening our pocketbook to God and saying, God, I want to do it your way. And then when you start opening your pocketbook and doing to God, God said, oh, you're testing me now and I don't ever fail a test. See, here's what I know. You'll never be indebted to God because you can't out give God. God will never, ever, ladies and gentlemen, be in your debt. That's why when you get to heaven, he don't want you boasting about what you do. <laughs> he says, <said, laughs> uh-uh. y'all get me? Y'all with me? That's why when you get to heaven and you start talking about what you do, guys. like, meh, wrong answer. I'm going to never be indebted to you. Your performance doesn't indebt me to you. Your performance is a reflection. I do this because I love God. Because I love Him. And I want to be His royal representative on the earth. And God don't want you as His royal representative to be broke busted, disgusted, sick, oppressed, or depressed. He wants you to be above all of it. Amen. If you're a believer in this house, as Kaylee sings, I know this was a lot. I threw a lot at you this morning. But listen, if you don't have to go, like if you don't just have to go this very minute, and I just ask you as Kaylee sings, stand right there. Just stand right there and ask God to wash your mind with this word and to give you revelation would you do it if you're a believer would you just lift up your hands and just ask God God would you just wash my mind with your word in Jesus mighty name every area of our life and what i'm going to ask you to do if you know your neighbor well enough you know what brother sam just told me brother sam can i just tell what you just told me he said pastor i'm gonna tell you something he said when me and paula got married we struggled 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 he said but when she and i got the principles of giving he said i've never struggled since is that what you told me never tell me come here You tell them what you told me. I said like kind of like this. I said we were raised in poverty. That's all we knew. But we learned early on how to give, and we we've survived. But our boys has never struggled. So, remember this. Hey, you might not fill your pockets up with what you're doing, but your kids could very well. Good word. Good word. You know, you know, this is why I really think, because I've, I've, I've asked Janet, I said, Janet, now listen, I want, you to, I want you to teach our children how to give. Whether it's a penny, a quarter, or a dollar, it's teaching them to be givers. See, Janet and I give way more than 15% of our income, and I'm not going to get into that because I don't want to lose my reward. Way more. Because we've learned that we can't ever out God. Okay? I want you... To have victory in every area of your life, in your health, in your mind, and in your finances. So listen, if you know the person well enough, take them by the hand right now. If you know them well enough, if you don't, well then you don't have to do it. But if you know them well enough, I want you to take them by the hand, and I want you to, I want you to declare victory in our finances in the name of Jesus, Father. Right now, Lord, we have we have spoken your word. And we declare on the authority of the name of Jesus. We declare victory, God, as we get an alignment to you. And as we get an alignment to your word. We declare victory upon the finances of God's people. That there would be no lack. be above and not beneath it, that we would, Lord, be the lenders and not the barriers. that you would bless us as we come in the city and go out, as we come into the field, that you would bless our crops, bless our homes, and as we, Lord, are in alignment to your word, that you would rebuke the devourer. In the name of Jesus three today